There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. back everybody to another episode of Bubba in the Bloom episode 67 a special Tuesday night edition of Bubba in the Bloom as the trade deadline has come and gone and it came and it came with authority for most of you know the last couple of days lots going on it might help a ton of things in real life probably does we're here to talk fantasy baseball for you though and have some fun along the way get you more prepared for the final two months of the fantasy baseball season you can check me out on the X at BD Intric, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and my co-host, as always, on the X at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, my friend? Sounds bizarre. Sounds it's, bizarre. I'm, I, I try not to chuckle every time I say it. Yeah. They he, did you see he he put up the X sign in, in okay. San Francisco and it lasted a weekend. Yeah, it doesn't run away. It's no. like threads. No, no, no permit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Threads <laughs> threads was not hopping. Twitter was hopping today. I was um I was kind of tethered to my couch had a sick kid at home with me so was half working half maybe a third working a third parenting and a third trade deadlining nice. something like that maybe a little more trade deadlining than everything else but uh it was a it was a good day i'd give it like a i don't know like a six or seven out of ten on the excitement scale for trade deadline most mostly because there were a lot of trades there was some drama with 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 Eduardo Rodriguez, which we'll probably get into, but there wasn't like, there wasn't that like unexpected, like huge deal. And so that was the only thing I'm not giving to like a nine or 10, but it was, uh, it was, a uh, it was a fun day. And yeah, like there were, there was a ton of content out there, shows and podcasts and, and, and a lot of, a lot of good stuff out there. What we're doing tonight is we're just going to kind of bang through pretty much every fantasy relevant trade just talk about fantasy impacts because really we were talking before the show like the scherzer and verlander trades big headlines like lots to talk about there but like from a fantasy angle unless you're in an al only league like you're not there's nothing really actionable with those trades i mean you're still starting scherzer verlander so we want to dig a little deeper and get into some of these smaller moves that have a bit more fantasy impact that's the plan at least I don't know. Yeah, we'll I make no promises, but that is the plan because I know I can get sidetracked and deviate. Not like my other buddy Mike Kerwin. That guy can get sidetracked. But we will uh we'll have some fun as usual on this show. 
Uh, so let's just kick it off. Let's go to the first. Like, there's really no specific order. It's more like just kind of how they happen chronologically, not uh, by team and whatnot. So we'll start with uh, CJ Cron, Randall Gritchick, going to the Angels from the Colorado Rockies. Um, we will mention also I'll say we'll mention prospects for the most part. We will not break down prospects because we are not prospect people. That's yeah. There's tons of great people for that. Uh, the Angels received Mason Albright and Jack Matt, or Jake Madden from the Rockies. So what I kind of want to bring up here, Bloomfield, is you got Crone. He's should be the everyday first baseman. That's pretty much set in stone. You got Gritchick going to the outfield. For now, things are pretty. But when Trout comes back, now you got you got Renfro, you got Moniak, you got Gritchick. Something's got to give because Shohei's DHing. And then I don't see Crone missing a ton of time, but maybe Renfro plays some at first. There's, there's moving parts there. But how do you see this breaking down? Because the other part I'll mention is it almost locks Eduardo Escobar into strict platoon role as well. Yeah, which they probably should. It it does get interesting when Trout comes back because obviously he can't DH. And so it's up to like Mickey Moniak, Hunter Renfro, one of those two has to go. Or actually Gritchick. I mean, it's some some type of platoon, I would guess, with Gritchick and probably Gritchick and Moniak. Because if you look at Moniak's splits, they're horrific. Like I'll, I'll pull them up right here. Um it's it's well the thing is i'll say this with, with moniac is he's outperforming all of his metrics that you want to look at right now that's that's been documented by many but when you look at splits for mickey moniac this season alone versus lefties he's hitting 364 or no way i can't be moniac so oh, that's a great check i picked the wrong one so uh yeah he crushes lefty so that supports the um the split situation but moniac uh on the other side has like zero power versus right-handed pitching our left-handed pitch, I can't even talk right now. Um, it's been a long day. It's podcast number four. If you saw my tweet last week, you'll understand. Um, yeah. Versus lefties, Moniac's hitting 152 versus righties, 345. And if you want to get down to the, the power metrics and whatnot, versus lefties, Moniac has a 382 OPS versus righties, a 1.018. That's, that's really good platoon situation stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I can see that happening once. I mean, that that's really the only move until something happens and someone gets hurt with like, again, I want to wish injury on someone, but like CJ Crone has been dealing with back issues for a long, long time. And so, um, yeah, who, who knows what could happen there? One like interesting fantasy fallout on the Colorado side filling in behind CJ Crone is Michael Toglia. Yep. Who I think at least during he started five of the last six games, four of them at first base, hitting in the bottom of the order for Colorado. But at least like, I mean, this is a former first round pick, 24 years old, um, at least during weeks where Colorado's at home. I think Michael Togley is like a decent deep league play who's now going to get playing time behind uh, behind Crone. Yep, I'm 100% with you on that. I remember Togley even last year got the call up. Uh, he's known for a little bit of power, and that was kind of the excitement for Tuglia. But now he's going to get regular playing time, as you mentioned. So uh, definitely someone to keep on your radar there. And you mentioned a good part, which you'll probably play into a lot of these. Is like So we're mentioning, by the way, Tuglia is 10% rostered in OCs right now. So that's pretty impressive. Um, like We're waiting for Trout to come back and saying this is how it's going to go. It's almost like the old theory, draft skills, not roles thing. These things all work themselves out. We talk about six-man rotations. It always works itself out to like something else. More often than not, it will in this Angel situation. So just keep an eye on that. But um, yeah. it's going to be – it's 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 groovy right now until Trout comes back, and then we'll assess it from there. Flip side with the Angels, Lucas Giolito 
joins the Angels. That was the big trade that, like, last week he comes over with Ronaldo Lopez. Lopez has looked really good in that bullpen. Uh, G. Lito, not too shabby, gets to face the Braves on Wednesday, so we might reassess this after the (laughs) the show comes out. But I've been a big G. Lito guy all year. Um, The way I see it, Gio's just, you know, he's locked in the rotation. Right now they have a six-man rotation, which they've had all year, and uh, things look good. So what's your thoughts on that one? Well, they had a seven man until Griffin Canning went on the IL with. I thought he I was guess, just scared of the Braves, but it was yeah, else. yeah. General soreness, aka scared of the Braves. They they did define it as a calf, calf. Um, yeah. So I don't calf know, tight, but calf tightness. Um, Canning actually like so. I wrote up Canning for HQ this week. I don't know, like it kind of makes sense that the Angels added another piece. Canning didn't pitch at all in 2022, hasn't pitched more than 64 innings professionally in each of the last three seasons, already at 89 innings this season. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know how much down the stretch Griffin Canning either, Not I'm not saying, like, shutdown, but just, like, effectiveness and uncharted workload territory. I'm also worried about, like, Patrick Sandoval. So I actually think, like, Chase Silseth can stick in this rotation, um, even if it is a six-man. And obviously Giolito will as well. Ronaldo Lopez, you, you touched on him real quick, did get the save in his first appearance as an angel, but it was the day after Carlos Estevez threw 34 pitches. So there's no change in that. If you're if you're if you're looking for saves, uh Lopez is is not the guy in Anaheim. It's still uh Estevez. Yeah, it's just an off day for Estevez, but uh Lopez is throwing gas. He's throwing 101 at one point in that outing. Like he looked rejuvenated all of a sudden. Yeah. It's amazing when you go from a bad team to a contending team how your 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 attitude and, and you know maybe production changes it's, it's good to see but yeah these are good baseball moves not a ton of actionable situations with the angels maybe more so with the rockies as bloomfield said and we'll talk about the white Sox as a whole later because they made a whole lot of moves um a minor deal that we want to get too deep into braves they acquired nikki lopez from the royals for outfielder taylor hearn the only thing i'll mention with this bloom is this must mean they really don't like von grissom yeah, that was my takeaway too. And because Von Grissom is actually, he's like raking in, yeah. in the minors. And maybe he it play is the Nicky truly, Lopez role pretty easily. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so maybe it is like a truly a defense thing, or maybe there's something else there that we don't really know about. Um, yeah, I think this kind of like, we're not picking up Nicky Lopez really in any league, but it's if you were holding on hopes for a, a late Von Grissom appearance, like that's just another blockade with Nicky. Lopez, I think Hearn got traded again after possibly. I, I, I if he know. did, I missed it. In the there was some weird like Steve Segura got traded then cut today. Yeah, there's uh, some weird roster that felt, that, that felt NBA esque right there. By the way, that was a total like we're gonna take you on for your money just to make it a fair deal, and then we're gonna get rid of you. <laughs> do they do they do that? In, I don't. I am not. Oh yeah, when they do those big big trades, they always throw in like four veterans that no one wants anymore, and they keep like half of them. Oh yeah, that's definitely. And then that veteran goes back and resigns with the team that you traded got traded from. Oh, happens Hearn, Hearn was traded from Texas to Atlanta on Monday, and then traded from Atlanta to Kansas City. Kansas City in this deal. So that's no. impressive. Don't don't unpack your bag, kid. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, next up on our agenda here, the Rangers. You already mentioned Max Scherzer earlier. He goes to from the Mets to the Rangers with cash for prospect. Luis Angel Acuna, the younger brother of, obviously, Ronald Acuna. And then the Rangers did some more work. They picked up Jordan Montgomery, who I thought was one of the better targets price-wise on the trade market. And they got reliever Chris Stratton. Okay. Cardinals get a couple more prospects in, in Thomas Segesi, Tico Roby, and John King. 
Um, I'm actually more excited about Jomo going to the Rangers in this one personally, but uh, both both solid. Obviously, we don't have a ton to talk about unless you have some more on these guys. Um, no, one thing. I mean, from the I mean, we could talk about Scherzer in Texas and that whole thing for for a while, but like going to St. Louis. So St. Louis trading away Jomo. We talked about this a little bit last week. Like it opens a spot for Matthew Liberatore which you don't want to do. But I think the biggest thing with St. Louis is that Steven Matz was not traded. Steven Matz is kind of on a heater. We'll talk about match our, our matchup game on the Thursday show. Um, Steven Matz is, is pitching really well and now is pretty solid in that St. Louis rotation. So that was one takeaway. The Mets with Scherzer out and obviously Verlander we haven't talked about yet. Um, you've got Kode Senga, Carlos Carrasco, Jose Quintana. You have maybe David Peterson who would come back into the rotation. He's been pitching kind of like a multi-inning relief role. I always, we, we always, both of us, to speak for both of us, love us go. some David Peterson. Um, Tyler McGill probably goes back into the rotation, taking a wait and see there. That's probably the biggest like fantasy impact wise of this this trade. Um, Texas needed the help big time. Nate Evaldi is, uh, is in some trouble. Quite and a weird diagnosis with the Evaldi. Quite a weird I, I actually, not to get too far off, but I actually cut Nate Evaldi. I was one of two people in the main event to cut Nate Evaldi on Sunday. Did it before knowing that Texas said it would be a minimum stay. So I was kind of like, oh, yeah, but it's a forearm, but I don't know. forearm strain with a good looking elbow, they said. Like, when does that ever occur? Let's be real about this situation. Like with that loss velocity, even if he comes back with the loss velocity, we saw how well that didn't go. So my decision was keep, keep Brandon Woodruff or keep Evaldi. And so I went with Woodruff. I think you made the right move there. I, I'm going to say you made the right move there. Uh, I will say one more thing about the Ranger situation. You didn't mention Evaldi's gone. They've talked about it even before, like with Evaldi, Bochi was talking about, um, giving pitchers rest and whatnot as the season goes on because they want everybody fresh for the postseason. And they've talked about six-man rotation, potentially as Scherzer, John Gray, who's been horrible, Jordan Montgomery, Martin Perez, Andrew Heaney, who actually pitched well, albeit versus the White Sox on Tuesday, and then Dane Dunning. So it's one of those I think it works out in the end to a five-man rotation like we talked about before. But I will say this with all these teams, because there's a lot of teams that said they might go six-man, like with the canning situation because of innings. A lot of these teams are having young pitchers with innings things. Um that's going to limit all your two starts. Like we have literally eight weeks left. So if you get a six man rotation, you maybe get one more two start. Maybe if, if not, you might get zero. Those are the little things to think about. If you are looking for volume and stuff along those lines, again, a lot can change. Just wanted to bring that up because you're going to hear six man a lot in the next few days. Cause that's been a, a popular theme with these teams. That's a great point. All right. The Jays, they made a move. They picked up Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals to help the back end of that bullpen. They sent Sim Roberesi, I'm going to butcher so many names, and Adam Kloffenstein to the Cardinals. That's not a real person. Come on. I know. I think I saw him in Oppenheimer on Sunday. Um, Jordan Hicks, though, this was like, to me, when I first saw this deal, I was like, oh, no. Does that mean Jordan Romano's back's really screwed up? Or is this a team going for the playoffs to bolster their bullpen? I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt here. But the fact Romano's been dealing with that back issue for a while, I think this might be a lingering thing where they wanted that guaranteed guy in the back end just in case. Like Romano will come back and get the job, I think. It's still his job. But the the insurance of having Hicks, I think, is very important. Yeah, that was my first thing was like, oh, crap, uh, Romano. Because it's the back, and we were just talking about backs with CJ Crone. Romano's been dealing with back injury like basically since the All-Star break. 
So um, could very well be a little bit of both, Bubba. Like it makes sense to get Jordan Hicks anyway to establish that bullpen. And it, it, if Hicks keeps pitching the way he does and Romano comes back, I agree Romano would be the closer. It is a really good bullpen. We, we, we spent some time speculating on Yimmy Garcia versus Eric Swanson. That also went out the window, of course, yep. with this trade. Um, the St. Louis side to me is interesting. Yes. Um we kind of think the prevailing wisdom is that Giovanni Gallegos just slides back into the closer role, but Jojo Romero actually got the lone yep. save. I think on Sunday, Sunday, the only chance that the, uh, that the Cardinals have gotten Jojo Romero has a three ninety two ERA 20 innings, like a 24% K rate, like not great skills, but maybe good enough. If he, picks up five six saves the rest of the way i don't know if jojo romero is the guy i don't think anyone really knows um but the one the one data point that we do have was romero over gallego so i think pitched two innings he pitched the seventh and the eighth in that game yeah so so i I think that's oh sorry sorry no go ahead i think it's telling because i it's gonna be i think it's it feels like one of those where in a perfect world they want gallegos there but they're also going to put him into the high leverage every single game so it could be maybe a 60-40 Gallegos. It could be 50-50. It could be 60-40 JoJo. I think they'll both get saves is what I'm trying to say. But, you know, even when we speculated last week, I don't think any of us mentioned JoJo Romero as an option out of all the options in St. Louis. So he's at least on the table now. That, that That's a very telling thing from that Sunday save. And um, I wouldn't be shocked if – because even when Helsley – and Helsley will come back eventually, but I'm not a Helsley guy. But even when Helsley was closing, Gallegos would get his chances. I see it being something similar to that. If that makes sense, yeah. If even if Helsley even, I mean, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, they just sold. Them. It is sold. Why are we bringing them back so much? Right. Good point. White Sox. They traded. You're going to hear this a lot. White Sox traded more players. They traded a uh, reliever Kendall Graveman to the Houston Astros and reliever Kenyon Middleton to the New York Yankees. Not much relevance there, except something you enjoyed last Thursday. I'll let you have the floor on this one. It sounds like it's Gregory Santos' time. I mean, Santos did get, let's see, the save on, yeah, the last game on July 28th. Bullpen has pretty much cleared out as we kind of predicted on the Thursday show. The Keenan Middleton trade was pretty funny to me because like all the Yankee fans, the Yankees basically did nothing. And then right after the deadline, there was the one trade that the Yankees acquired Keenan Middleton, which is kind of. Crack me up. Um, but I think Gregory Santos in terms of like new closers and he was picked up in a good amount of leagues and fab yeah. last Sunday. Um, but I think if you're taking any new closer right now and ranking them, I think it's gotta be Gregory Santos. I think he is the guy. I think the skills are pretty damn good. 263 ERA at HQ. We've got a 325 expected ERA, misses a ton of bats, 5% walk rate. Like everything's in line for Gregory Santos to, uh, to thrive in the role. The only thing is like, I mean, it, 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 we're getting late in the season. There's two months and like this shouldn't prevent you from bidding if you need saves, but how many saves will the White Sox actually get? Um, a handful. I don't know, but I do think Gregory Santos is that dude. Yeah. I'm with you. They just got no hit on Tuesday by friend Rivaldez. So yeah, it's going to be a, a long couple months. That was, that was Cleveland. That was Cleveland. Oh, sorry. Who threw out uh, a, a, a sorry, that was that was triple A Columbus. Yes, I mean, yes. That lineup was horrific after they made all their trades. That is my fault. That is definitely not the White Sox. White Sox were equally as bad in their game. But yes, you probably that, would that have no hit the White Sox. Too. They probably would have for sure. Um the Dodgers, they made at least this trade. 
didn't make another one, but they made this one. They got Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly from the Chicago White Sox. Um, they dealt Trace Thompson, Nick Nestrini, and Jordan Leisure. That's a heck of a last name to the White Sox. Lynn was throwing pretty well on Tuesday in his Dodgers debut. Joe Kelly, he's going to be a nice little asset back into that bullpen. What's your thoughts on this one? Obviously, if we've held Lynn this long, we love this move, but um, it just depletes that White Sox rotation even more. Yeah, and we talked about. I mean, we kind of saw this one coming with Giolito and Lynn on last Thursday, and there's yeah, there's just not much in the uh, in the tank with the White Sox. It will be fascinating the Lance Lynn experiment, and it probably is fantasy relevant because I don't know. I'm, I'm sure Lance Lynn has been cut in twelve teamers. I Let would. me see an OCs. I got it right here. I do wonder Lance, what his percentage is. Lance Lynn, he's ninety nine percent rostered. Is he? Okay. So you're not really just doing can't quit much. Him. Just can't quit him. Just can't quit him. Um, as, as, as we speak, Mookie Betts hits a home run to give Lance Lynn another run of insurance. Uh, Lance Lynn. Something he never experienced in Chicago. <laughs> exactly. Uh, sevens. This, this is the thing with Lance. Like tonight is the Lance Lynn. So tonight, Tuesday night is the ultimate Lance Lynn line. Seven innings, seven strikeouts, one walk. Looks great. Give up three home runs against the A's. So like, Yahtzee. there's this and i i put this out there i was like this will be an interesting can the dodgers fix anything experiment uh with with, with lance lynn i know like they could not fix noah Syndergaard. uh they could not fix a couple other guys michael grove but it'll be interesting to see what tweaks they get from lynn i i had lynn on the bench in 15 teamers and started him automatically for this start oh, yeah. and probably will start lynn going forward i think that's the kind of the one takeaway is if you have lance lynn you've been waiting for something like this you you go for it. So it's good to see LA make that uh, move. What about you? So you, you mentioned the real move quick, that LA quick, did make. Real quick, Lance Lynn is rostered in 69% of Yahoo League. So if you play in Yahoo, he's out there. So go there check on go. that. Yeah, the move they didn't make is a real shame. It's a real shame because... Sorry, I, like, I should say couldn't make. It's like someone made the analogy. Um, it's when the head cheerleader... When the, when the, the, the starting quarter, the quarterback of the high school football team asked the head cheerleader to go to prom and she says no, that's kind of what it felt like. Um, it, maybe you're giving Eduardo Rodriguez too much prop, giving him the, uh, the head cheerleader role, but uh, it made sense if you really think about it. Uh, the Tigers had a deal in place to send Eduardo Rodriguez to the, Detroit Ti- or to the Los Angeles Dodgers, and Erod said no because the Dodgers are one of the 10 teams on his no-trade list, and he had to approve it. So he was like, nope. I'm out. Don't want to go to LA. Couple of thoughts here. If you want to actually be a nice person about it, uh, he has battled um, like um, you know anxiety issues and things like that. LA, big scene like that could be rough. I'll give him that. Also, the taxes in California. Don't blame him one bit. Stay away. Totally understand that one. He also flat out said, "I want to go play for Baltimore or Boston, the two teams he's been to in his career before." So Ryan and I joked before the show. It's like. Did Detroit put all this time in and not even consult the guy that had to approve this? It's kind of a weird deal. But as a Giants fan who had a horrific trade deadline, had a horrific offseason to watch the Dodgers just completely get just, you know, hand to the face type situation, it, it felt really good. Yeah, I, I, I need to make my A.J. Pollock 
joke to just to get you off oh, of cloud nine. Dude, it, it was, you you, saw, my you on, see saw my tweet on AJ Pollock's thing. I'm like, really? Like, really? This is what we, we're doing? we should look at the smirk on Bubba's face as he's talking about Erod rejecting LA. And it, um, and, it, and it helps that I'm a big Erod fan already. So it was like the double way. He is your boy <laughs> already. Yeah, that is true. So and it was like a double, just like, yes. <laughs> I guess he entered legendary status. Uh, yeah, he, he I mean, Erod, like, I'm always pro player in these types of deals. Like, Erod negotiated in his contract. He's got the 10 teams that he didn't not want to be traded to and that's his right to exercise that option he's earned that and doesn't you know whatever the reason is he doesn't need to even give a reason it's, it's his choice and i saw stuff out there like you know he doesn't want to be a winner doesn't want to go to la it's like well you know who knows what's going on in erod's life personally like you said Bubba was dealing with some things missed some time last year it's just like yeah. I don't know. I think about my job and like, would I suddenly want to, I know I'm not a pro athlete and, and a lot of, and I know in baseball, this comes with the territory you get traded. I wouldn't want to uproot my family and just move to LA for a couple months and yeah. see what happens next. Like he's earned that right to say no. And he exercised it. And I'd say good for him. He did, he's, he's doing what he needs to do. Yeah. It was, it was pretty sweet to see that really made my day on a busy afternoon. So um, happy for Erod. Wishing the best. Have a great two months of baseball. Just really <laughs> dominate on the mound, Erod. Just nothing would be like every fifth day. I'm gonna be glued in to Eduardo Rodriguez starts. Detroit Tigers. I'll be watching you. So we'll see how that one goes. All right, back to the agenda at hand here. The Rays. This one kind of surprised me. Like we didn't have the surprises on Tuesday. This one surprised yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. The Rays acquired Aaron Savali, Savali, as Ryan likes to say. From the Cleveland Guardians, who has been a ratio darling this past month. No strikeouts to talk about. Ratio darling. And they acquired Kyle Manzardo, once a very, very highly heralded prospect of the Rays for tons of power. Not so much this season, but he's also been battling a shoulder injury. So I, I don't know a little prospect stuff when I have to. But that that's it was just an interesting move. Where he, a big-time prospect goes to Cleveland. Maybe he can get healthy. But more importantly, a Rays team who it seems like every other week we're talking about another starting pitching pitcher going on the IL, they go and pick up Savali, which is big for someone that they need to eat up innings for. Yeah, for sure. And with Savali, like, it, it, I don't know, I want to appeal to authority, but kind of with that Lance Lynn Dodgers thing, it's like it, it has to be a good thing that the Rays are interested in you. And not just interested in you, but willing to give up one one of their higher ranked prospects. I know Manzardo, I guess I, I don't really know too much about him. I know his numbers haven't been as good this year, but he is a top. I think at HQ we had him as a top 25 prospect in our midseason update. So like I mean it's it's a valuable piece going back um for Savali, who like, yeah, the strikeouts haven't been there. The ratio is he's way over his head. If you look at like any ERA estimator, it's interesting. Nick Pollock put a tweet out there. It's it's more, um, I think curveballs and cutters, I want to say, with Savali switched up his pitch mix a little bit this year. And the kind of the stuff numbers really pop on those two pitches. And Savali has really leaned into that. So I'm wondering, yeah, cutter and curveball, he's throwing like 65% of the time combined. So I'm just wondering if the Rays kind of see that and really want to leverage that and go with it. So as a Savali, Savali owner, I'm I'm pretty stoked. But again, probably not, I mean, not much of a, like a fan, I mean, Savali started everywhere, I would think, and you continue yeah. to do that. Like, you've got, you might get the return of Cal Quantrill in Cleveland, which could be pretty rough. You might get uh, PGA Tour Pro Peyton Battenfield back in the I rotation like as well, I like which I, I don't like, but uh, not not much to go there with Cleveland. It's going to be rough. No. Uh, one quick thing on Savali, non fantasy wise, but another reason why Manzardo was a part of the deal. 
Savali's under team control for two more years after this. A couple years, yeah. So that, that's something that uh, needs to at least be acknowledged in that conversation. Uh, when you are talking about Cleveland, though, it's kind of a, a weird deal now because you have Cindergaard's the grandpa in the group oh. now. Um, and they have Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, and Logan Allen, who all, like, we, we all said they can probably throw 130, 140 innings. Cool. But, like, eventually that's going to come kind of crashing down. We'll see. So you mentioned Quantrill. You mentioned Battenfield as options. I think Cody Morris re-enters the equation. That is a guy that we saw at times last year. They kind of used him in long relief at times. He could be a dude that might get a shot here. And if he does, I'm kind of intrigued. Um, so that's just a name to keep an eye on. It'll be Cody Morris. That's well. Yeah, he would need to be stretched out quite a bit. Yeah, he's in the minors been, right now. So. I think he's been going one or two innings there. Uh, but could be. And yeah, had some promise last year. One other thing I'm thinking about with Cleveland, too, is just like, so we kind of knew they were going to sell and they did. I wonder, fantasy wise, how long are they going to push Tanner Bybee and Logan Allen? That's once it's in September. Like, what are they? I don't know. I, I, I think that's that leash gets a little bit. I think they could yank those guys at September really at any point because they've got not, really nothing left to prove for 2023. So that's something as a Bybee and Allen yep. uh, owner, I'm I'm a little bit worried about there. Yeah, and looking at Cody Morris, even in the minors, it's like one or two innings every time out. So you're right. There's got to be some some work to be done there. Uh, the Diamondbacks, they made a move to shore up the back end of their bullpen because it's every couple weeks mm-hmm. they have a new closer. Now they went and traded for Paul Sewald from the Seattle Mariners. Seattle gets Dominic Canzone. Thank you, Mike Curlin, for jinxing that. Josh Rojas and Ryan Bliss. Apparently Bliss is the one everyone's excited about. I don't know. But Paul Sewald goes to the back end of the bullpen, which is good because we'll – Andrew Chafin was traded. That's kind of a minor detail. It doesn't really make impact here. But that cleared spot there, even though they're not they're opposite hands. But uh, to me, as it makes Kevin Ginkle, that whole run coming to a, a complete halt. Like, at least he got a win the other night. That was big. Scott McGuff, peace. So it's Paul Seawall's deal. You got that, and then I'll let you have it. But the Seattle situation just got a little more interesting as well. Yeah, I was a little personal, selfishly disappointed to this one. I had some, some fab shekels in on Kevin Ginkle, who I – I still think is is pretty damn good, uh, yep. but Arizona obviously did not. Like they, they they very much resisted putting Ginkle in the role, and then got Seawald um, on the Seattle side. Like yeah, so yeah, Seawald's obviously the closer. He's already rostered. I think Andres Munoz, but I that's wouldn't where, be like it's either him or Matt Brash or some combination of the two. I'd yeah. put my my money on Munoz, who's probably rostered in a good amount 80, of leagues, eighty six percent of of 15s or 12s or 12s okay um what about brash uh and and munoz 70 percent on yahoo by the way okay. uh brash and 12 is one percent rostered and i think that's a good call because i could see it being kind of like that giovanni gallegos jojo romero type situation where uh because even the other night brash went i think an inning or a little over an inning and got the win when munoz got the save so it yeah. could be one of those back into the bullpen type scenarios like you're talking about because Brash has been filthy. He has. And I, I'm not saying Brash is going to be the guy, but uh, I think there's at least a chance and it won't cost much no. to find out. And uh, given given the skills that, that Brash has, a 38% strikeout rate, like that is absurd. 16% swinging strike, like 343 ERA, the FIP, and the estimators are like a 2 ERA. Matt Brash is really good. Uh, to boil that down into one sentence. And so um, I think it's worth a buck or two if you've got room and just want to see how it plays out. I think that might fly a little bit under the radar. 
Yeah, in one of my 15s, I have been rostering Matt Brash and playing him every once in a while when I needed extra pitching help and then like my starters. So I'm a big yep. fan of, of what we got there. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers, they made a move that kind of surprised me a bit, I'll be honest. They went and traded for Mark Kana from the New York Mets, giving uh, sitting Justin Jarvis to the Mets. And it was already kind of a somewhat crowded slash platoony situation in the outfield that just got a whole lot more crowded. So what's your take on Kana? Roster Resource has Kana DHing, which kind of surprises me a bit. But what's your take on this move to Milwaukee? Uh, just it's confusing and from a fantasy aspect, frustrating. I mean, yeah, kind of did DH on Tuesday night, but like that's going to be a revolving door between I really center field and right field is like it could be Tyrone Taylor, could be Canna, could be Joey, Joey Weimer, could be Sal Freilich. Like there's just so many bodies to the point where it was an interesting fantasy situation if anyone gets everyday playing time, but I think there's just too many mouths to feed. And like, I mean, the Brewers didn't acquire Canna just to sit him on the bench. Like he's going to play or at least be in the rotation. So I think this eats into Joey Weimer and, uh, and Sal Freilich who were, you know, at least interesting specs in deeper leagues for, for Milwaukee. That one, that one puzzled me. I'll be yeah, honest. That one surprises me a bit. And I'll just make this announcement. Now we'll talk about the Mets as a whole at the end. Because they have a lot of places that are going to be opening up for options yeah. of playing time. Uh, we'll get to more of them down the road here. But here you go. You can have the floor on this one, Mr. Bloomfield. The Giants, they they added A.J. Pollock and Mark Mathias. The Mariners got cash considerations. Um, that yeah, I just don't even know what to say. Pollock hit ninth, DH'd on Tuesday. So go figure. It didn't do anything. But, um, yeah, that's the Giants' big move. I mean, anytime you can acquire, really make the splash of the deadline with, with AJ Pollock, you got to do it, right? And I mean, Jerry must have some pictures of Farhan because that was just like, what is going on here? Didn't didn't make sense. I mean, fantasy wise, like Pollock will play against left-handed pitching. It's just like another tune bat. I mean, that's what the Giants do. So yep. I don't know. Does, yep. Do you think it really takes away playing time from from anybody who is interesting, like? Austin Slater, maybe? No, no. Slater plays versus lefties. There's no taking that situation away. Um, the only thing maybe, well, because Yastrzemski went to the IL, so that fills in uh, that that gap, basically. And maybe Yastrzemski and Pollock would platoon a lefty-righty situation. But that's about all I see in that scenario. So. Pollock's hitting 173. Oh, it's brutal. Like I saw you had to squint at your screen to see it because that's what it really was, yes. Pretty small. Yeah. It's horrible. It's, it's really, really bad. Uh, on the flip side, you got Seattle. T. Oscar did not get moved. Um, do you think this gives Cade Marlowe? I know he's a lefty. Uh, you have Cade Marlowe, Dylan Moore. We've talked about that platoon situation before. Um, you know, it probably doesn't even impact anything because he was on the IL for Seattle this whole time. But do you see any impact with Pollock leaving there? Not really. Maybe Dylan Moore, who has not played each of the last four games, but that's all against right-handed pitching. It's just one less, like, Less competition against lefties for Dylan Moore. And then Cade Marlowe maybe plays every day against right-handed pitching, though Dominic Canzone might have something to say about that. A lot of pieces. A lot of pieces out there. For sure. Chicago Cubs, they acquired Heimer Candelario, who was a prospect in their system at one point in time. The Nats got DJ Hers and Kevin Maid. Um, First off, Candyman, first game with the Cubs on Tuesday, played first base. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, they allowed uh, Wisdom to play third. You'll have Ma- Madrigal play third as well. There's a lot of moving parts around there. Everyone played on Tuesday because they scored 20 runs. But if Candelario plays first base primarily, 
probably puts Bellinger either in the outfield or at DH more often. How do you see this kind of striking out? Because it allows a couple players to get more playing time at third base. Than I think we thought, because they also DFA'd Trey Mancini on Tuesday. Yeah. So like we talked a little bit on Thursday that maybe if Bellinger got traded, like we might see Matt Mervis that, that took another hit. And then obviously Mancini getting DFA'd is that Candelario. Yeah. Like we'll qualify at first base at some point soon in fantasy. I will say he did make not a routine error today. He did make an error um, at first off a ground ball, but I'm not too, too worried about that. I will say like the Cubs. So they did drop 20 on uh, Mr. Lively, I guess th- technically 13 earned runs on Baker's uh, does on Blake on Blake's brother. Uh, that's a that's a lineup like from a streaming standpoint. You do not want to mess with the Cubs. No, like that is a deep lineup, and especially with Candelario up there, like I, and who I think is going to play every day. Um, you've got like Dansby Swanson hitting seventh, and that's uh, that, that that's not a slight on Dansby Swanson. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. We'll see. I'm curious to see the regular playing time because with Wisdom and Madrigal at third base, it uh, both righties. So it's like, do you want the power upside? Do you? I, I almost think Madrigal faces righties and Wisdom faces lefties. That's how that platoon plays out. Um, so something to keep an eye on there. Deep but, league. Uh, before we move on, deep league. We we talked about this on Thursday. I was throw Washington. that to you. This is your okay. guy. Yeah, yeah, Jake Jake Alou. I don't know why I like this guy so much, but well, the name's pretty cool. So he's got that going for him. It is. Um, not only was recalled, but stole a base on Tuesday, and I think is going to play every single day at third base and just see what you get. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like go too crazy in twelves, but I think in fifteen teamers, if you need a corner, Jake Alou is the playing time's going to be there. And that Nationals lineup, like even though they did lose Candyman, it's it's okay. Still, yeah, it's pesky. So. It's very pesky how I described them. And Alou is zero percent rostered in twelves, so go get them, kids. Yeah. Um, next up, little minor move: Sam Mole traded to the Reds, bullpen arm. No big deal. Jace Peterson traded to the D-backs from the A's. I don't see a ton here besides a potential utility bat. Am I missing something there? No. I mean, the only thing, like, I I just want Emmanuel Rivera to play every yes. day at third base with, and just with you see there. what happens um, with Jace in there. I think that's a natural platoon, lefty-righty, with, with Jace mm-hmm. Peterson and Emmanuel Rivera, which to me kind of sucks because I think Rivera is actually pretty good. With one thing, like it probably isn't as relevant as we want it or I want it to be. But if you want to look at both sides of the spectrum, it pretty much locks Jordan Diaz into everyday at bats at third base for the A's, and we've seen yeah. some power. We've seen some power out of him. Uh, it's not like the greatest profile in the world, but he's also been playing quite inconsistently. So I'll give him that. But with uh, Jordan Diaz on the year, he's hitting you know two fifty two, six homers in forty four games. Maybe we can and, get a full hit his seventh on Tuesday night off of Lance Lynn. Oh, so there you go. go deep tonight. Um, yeah, 6% barrel, 49% hard hit. So there's skills to be had with Jordan Diaz. So at least in deeper formats could be a dude to uh, to keep an eye on there as well. Good Pod- Padres. They were weirdly Oh, active. man. Weirdly yeah, active. and and like late to the party for the most part. <laughs> yeah, and you, you put all three together here, so that'll make it a little easier to talk about. So we'll go one by one. And let's do all the Padres, and then we can talk about the ramifications for the other teams after that. Sure. So, Pod, so Padres, they first traded and got Rich Hill, Big Dick Mountain, is going to <laughs> San Diego, where it's going to be beautiful all day. And you get Rich Hill and G-Man Choi going to the Padres. So that's one thing. The Padres then went and traded and got Garrett Cooper from the Marlins, and we'll talk about why in a minute. And then at the like 18th hour, 
they went and picked out of the 27th hour, I should say, they went and got Scott Barlow from the Royals when they still kept Josh Hader. So interesting. First off, Choi Cooper. We talked about this before the show. I saw a tweet. I'll look for it here. Perfect platoon pair. So what's your thoughts on this one? Unfortunately, a good platoon pair makes sense from a baseball standpoint, but listeners to the show know how much I love to hang with Mr. Cooper. And I think there's the playing time's not going to be there for, for Garrett Cooper. I think it's going to be G-Man. Yep. G-Man against righties and Cooper against lefties. So there is that. Um, The Rich Hill thing was interesting to me. Um, Not only so just trivia wise, this is his 13th new team which ties for second most. Do you know who is number one with 14, who has played on 14 teams? Is it Edwin career? Jackson? It is Edwin Jackson. Yeah. Well done, Bubba. Um, I, almost, I don't even play the Immaculate Grid, which I feel like I should, but I, I, I'm trying to limit myself to things it's that I'll frustrating with. Me. Yeah. Because I know baseball, but then I see the grids come out. I'm like, I feel like I don't know baseball, and that just pissed me off. But I almost put out a tweet. Rich Hill is joining the, the company of Edwin Jackson, Gaylord Perry, and Bartolo Colon at this rate with all these teams he's moving around for. Because people forget, this is just throwback. And here's here's a tangent for you. Gaylord Perry back in the day. Whoa. A, a ton <laughs> of teams. But I'll never forget, because this is when like the Giants used to do like um, old-timer games and stuff. Um, you'd see Gaylord Perry. He'd have his jersey, but he'd have a patch from every team on it. So his whole chest and like part of his stomach would be covered. And I'd sit there as a young kid going – what in the world is he doing? He had like Montreal Expos. He had all kinds of teams on this. And then he'd also like have like teams Vaseline. that no longer exist. Yeah. He'd also have like yeah. Vaseline and other stuff because he's been known for that. But uh, side story. Yes. Rich Hill, as you were. What's your thoughts on Rich Hill? Uh, actually, so last trivia, who else okay. has 13 teams? So it's Rich Hill. Has we are on 13 teams. 14. I don't think you'll get him. Really? No, it's a reliever. That's where I was going to go with this. Um, I think I just saw a tweet about it the other day. He just got traded again. Um, no, he's retired. It's Octavio Dotel. Ooh, I would not have got Octavio. He was a good Houston Astro at one time. I remember that much. I mean, he was a good everything. But yeah, yeah, 13 he, teams. That's, back in the day, kids, that was like half a baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 13 for old, uh, for old Octavio. So um, anyway. Um, 13 teams aside, the interest. So, kind of reading between the lines with the Rich Hill trade, like I wonder two things. Like, Michael Walker's hurt in his shoulder, I think his shoulder inflammation. I wonder if that's worse than we think it is. Um, either that or oh. Seth Lugo, who has pitched really well for San Diego, um, who I also wrote this week in NHQ as a, like a September shut down guy i mean this is someone entering uncharted workload territory as well so i could see san diego either being pretty concerned about waka being concerned about lugo or going to a six man if everything kind of comes together so that was just the one piece with rich hill coming over that was a little bit surprising but again i mean not much you're you're doing you're rolling seth lugo out there for as long as that arm stays attached because he's pitching really well Let's talk about the G-Man Choi Cooper things. I did pull up the tweet um, by Danny Vietti. Um, Garrett Cooper, 871 OPS versus lefties. G-Man Choi, 810 versus righties. Perfect baseball platoon. That's simple. But from a fantasy impact standpoint, G-Man Choi is not rostered much at all. We both love Cooper. I have Cooper on a ton of teams, especially in like draft and hold formats. He's only 28% rostered in 12s. Should that number go down even more now? For Cooper or Choi? 
Well, Choi for sure, because I'm just not. Well, I guess Choi's on the strong side of the platoon, so I guess yeah. it all depends. But how would you approach these two in fantasy besides just streaming based on weekly matchups? I mean, that's all I would do. And the 28%, that's for Cooper. That that should go down. Just okay, it's not. You're not going, especially in weekly leagues. Like, there's just not going to be enough. Really, I mean, pretty much any short side platooner. It's very rare you get a week where a team faces like five lefties. And I know there's pinch hit and stuff like that, but. A lot of those guys, unless you're really, really good, like it's just, it's hard. Yep, for sure. All right, let's talk about the other half of these trades now. We'll start with the Pittsburgh Pirates because um, they already got rid of Carlos Santana. So part of me is like, okay, G-Man Choi might actually have some relevance again. He's had relevance before. Well, he gone. So right now, Alonzo Rivas is penciled in there. You know, Connor Joe's played. I imagine that platoon's out. So I'm kind of leaving that situation alone. Pitching side of it, though, they're still looking for a fifth starter right now. So that'll be interesting because they, you know, they have so many guys on the IL as it is. Um, maybe Ronzi Contreras gets another shot. Luis Ortiz, who we saw at times this year. How are you looking at this Pittsburgh situation? If you have any interest at all? No, man. It's, I mean, it's just it's death. <laughs> it's said so easily. Pittsburgh is death. So I'll it, just, is. It, it is. It is. It is. Um, we won't talk about first base in Cleveland or in Miami because that's coming up in a bit. Um, but we will talk about. Another guy we talked about last week was Scott Barlow leaving town. How excited are you for Carlos Hernandez? There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Pretty excited. I mean, the Barlow thing was like, so that came in right at the deadline. That was like everyone expected Barlow to go, Barlow to go, and didn't happen until it did, like right afterwards. Um, Carlos Hernandez... Like he's pretty trendy. Everyone kind of now talks about Carlos. Twenty-one percent roster though. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Carlos Hernandez pitched the tenth on Tuesday night. Actually, I think he got the win, but gave up a home run in the tenth. But like, I just I can't see Kansas City. I mean, there's obviously there's there's like no competition for the ninth. I I just have to think Kansas City gives him gives him a run. So I would put in some pretty, I would say modest bids on Carlos Hernandez. I wouldn't blow the bank just because we don't know for sure. If Hernandez is the closer and similar to the White Sox situation, we don't know how many saves are going to be available in Kansas City. Um, but like the skills look pretty good, and I think the role's there. So um, nice to see it happen. Let's see, let's see Kansas City do it for sure. Toronto Blue Jays, they went and traded for Paul DeYoung from the St. Louis Cardinals. We saw the Boba Shed injury on Monday. It was nasty. MRI came back clean, apparently. He just has some like discomfort in the knee. Uh, inflammation in the knee. It looks bad the way he just kind of locked up. So we'll wait and see on that one. But for now, DeYoung should play kind of regularly. How do you look at this whole situation? Because I know you're you're clamoring for a prospect in St. Louis last time. They still have not made that move. And Tommy Edmund got activated from the L on Tuesday and was playing shortstop. So what are you doing with this whole you know love triangle? Um love triangle. Uh my 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 hot take was like oh crap Toronto just got Paul DeYoung Bobachet is yeah. seriously injured Dunzo. because yeah, Bobachet hurt his knee Monday night, and I don't think we really knew what was going on midday Tuesday, and then we saw this drop. It turns out Bachet, I don't think he's totally out of the woods. MRI revealed no structural damage, not a doctor, uh, but he's hurt, um, and so this is insurance. Like I think this probably boots one of Santiago Espinal or Kevin Biggio from like utility roles, but fantasy wise, not all that relevant. And I don't think DeYoung, if you had DeYoung, he was playing every day and that's not going to happen once Bichette is uh, healthy. So there's that. Um, I was, let's see. Yeah. So Mason Wynn, so talking about the Cardinal side, Mason Wynn is the, is the guy we were pretty excited about last Thursday and just kind of looking at reports out of St. Louis, what they're going to do is they're going to wait as long as they can to ensure that Mason Wynn is rookie eligible entering 2024, because if you win or whatever in the new CBA, if you get rookie of the year or place top three or whatever, you get these incentives if they're, if they're rookie eligible. And so this is what teams did a lot last year is they called, called a bunch of guys up like early September, just to ensure that they stay rookie eligible the following season, that that's what's going to happen with Mason Wynn. So I wouldn't expect to see Mason Wynn right away. I think he's going to be a September call up and you know, once September happens, who knows? It's such a small sample, but uh, I don't know. I, it's someone I, who I would keep an eye on. I just would not, I wouldn't fab Mason win this weekend. I, I think it's going to be a, a few more weeks. Yep. I'm with you on that. Uh, hopefully someday, eventually, but we will see And great point on the young thing. He'll get to play probably for the rest of this week. And whenever Bichette's back, unless you never know, the only thing I'm concerned about with Bichette, I'll throw this out here is, they did the MRI, but the way it was messed up, there's probably still a lot of swelling in that knee, which will give you an unclean image until that swelling goes away. Usually, they don't do any imaging until the swelling's all gone. So, and, there, and there's a lot of like we didn't do our we didn't do our first pitch Arizona plug this show, but uh, yeah. special uh, special show. So special we, show. We I was locked right, in. Right I was locked in. Yeah. Um, one of the big takeaways I have every year for first pitch is we have Matt Cedarholm and um, uh, James Ferretti out there, and one of their big things they always say in these injury panels is no structural damage, like it's a technical term where that sounds very good that teams will use. Uh, but it does not mean 
they're out of the woods. So um, yeah, yeah. So know. we'll we'll see how all that plays out. But uh, keep an eye on it. Maybe Dion does have more legs than we want to give it credit for it right now. Astros, like obviously we talked about earlier, got Justin Verlander from the New York Mets plus some cash. And they sent uh, Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, apparently two pretty good prospects, young prospects like the theme for the Mets to New York. Not a ton here that we haven't covered already, Ryan. Not really. I mean, it is just from a non-fantasy aspect. It's interesting to see the Mets basically buy a farm system through yeah. these trades with Scherzer and uh, and Verlander, but that's kind of a, a separate thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, we, we touched on the Mets rotation earlier, and just unless it's David Peterson, I'm not all that interested maybe mcgill in the right matchup but that's uh that's about it yeah it's pretty i will rough. say like scherzer max scherzer did overshare quite a bit mm-hmm. in his kind of exit interview or i guess yeah. entry interview just, with just the rangers basically saying the mets are not playing for not only this year but not playing or for next year, year. and yep. no otani is what i kind of and you take away from that so just yeah interesting words from scherzer on his way out of queens you could tell he wasn't happy. Let's put it that way. Um, so, yeah, that happened. Billy Epler basically in his press conference after the trade deadline said something similar, but not to the depth that uh, Max Scherzer said it in. Like he said, that we're still going to be competitive in 2024, but we're not like we're shooting for 2025 type stuff. So we'll see how all that plays out. Um, Phillies, they went and got Michael Lorenzen from the Tigers. I like the idea of Lorenzen going to a team not too pumped on the Philly side of things just because of that ballpark. Lorenzen's been very, very good of late. Um, it does give six pitchers potentially in Philadelphia. I imagine Christopher Sanchez, who's been pitching really well. Maybe he takes a back seat for now because he's got the option left in the group. But Lorenzen's going to jump into that Phillies lineup and or uh, rotation and uh, could be quite interesting. How about you? Yeah, could be. Uh, yeah, he probably has to face the Braves a couple times, which which hurts. The ballpark hurts, but it's been a pretty good run for Lorenzen, so I think you just kind of hold and and hope. Um, we hit on the Tigers a little bit already. I know you kind of like Alex Fado, who may get some run with uh, in Lorenzen's absence. I think just personally, just kind of as a streamer in the right matchup, someone who could who could play a role in our our weekend matchup games at, at, at some point down the stretch. So Alex Fado is at least someone who's semi-interesting on the yeah. Detroit side of that. Semi-interesting is a great way to put it. Um, right now they have Rodriguez, Erod, because he's a legend and he stayed with the Tigers. <laughs> um, Joey Wentz, Reese Olsen, Tariq Skubal, and Matt Manning as the five in that rotation. Bad. So That's bad. I mean, Skubal's decent, but that's bad. Like, you know what's, you know what's the, the biggest takeaway from the entire trade deadline is there was already some bad teams in baseball. There are some horrific teams in baseball right now. Like it, it's, it, they should just get relegated for the final two months. The, the strength of schedule right now just got completely flipped on its head. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for certain playoff teams in the second half of the season. No, I mean, uh, that's absolutely a takeaway. Like we kind of joked about triple a lineups that like Framber Valdez faced tonight and the white Sox. You want to, you want to target those on the hitting side, anybody facing the white Sox, Detroit rotations, like you want to target. Um, bad. Yeah. It's very unequal right now. And even like there's so many playoff spots, but even the wildcard teams, they're all like eight games over 500. Yeah. So like, the good teams are good, and the bad teams are just really awful. Bad, 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 bad. All right, Tommy Pham, it happened. He got traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, for a prospect as well. Nothing too crazy here. Um, the one thing, I guess, is so you got Pham, who's been swinging a pretty decent bat this season. 
but you also have the D-backs who have Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, and Corbin Carroll in the outfield, which is three outstanding defensive outfielders, like really good defensive outfielders. So do you see Tommy Pham platooning with Jake McCarthy in right field? How do you see this impacting one of those outfields? Because somebody's going to have to sit down for a bit. Yeah, someone has to. I think it's probably McCarthy in right yeah, field. Because yeah, Thomas guess. is in center and Pham's not playing center. I would hope not. Yeah. And Corbin Carroll's not going anywhere. Nope. He's staying nope. in left field. So I, I think that's probably, yeah, McCarthy probably takes a hit. I think, I mean, Tommy Pham's like really good. There has been really good this season. Yep. So like you kind of have to play him if you're Arizona. So I think that's how that would shake out. We talked a little bit about um, Ronnie Marie on the Mets side yep. on Thursday. Talked about maybe Ronnie Mauricio coming in and because uh, we did accurately kind of predict Canha, Canna and Pham would, would go. The Mets called up like four prospects who I've never heard of. Just Dude, to... I'm looking at roster resource right now. Rafael Ortega in left field, oh. D- DJ Stewart's in right field, Nemo's Nemo. But like, I don't even know who Rafael. Rafael Ortega is almost. He's over 32 years old. He's been. He's been. I, I've yeah. I, I I know him. Me and Rafael go way back. Yes, go way back. I've, way I've, back, I've heard huh? of him. I've heard yeah. of him. I'm looking up his. his Can't say good ago. things. Oh, but... he played for the Cubs. He was on That's the Cubs why. for a while. Okay, semi like decent. I actually, yeah, he was 11 steals and or 12 steals and 11 homers to 291. I know Ortega now. I actually was foolish enough to try to to draft him in 2022. That is right. Um, um but so, but he, still, like, like, why like, run no, him out not... there? You have Mauricio and like, come on. Yeah, I think with so what I said with Mason Wynn probably applies to Ronnie Mauricio. This is probably a they wait till September to keep Mauricio. Rookie eligible entering 2024. So not much you can do on the Mets side of things except start starting pitchers against them. Yep, yep, start starting pitchers. Um, Baltimore Orioles, they acquired Jack Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals for a couple prospects, a couple decent prospects from what I've heard. Um, Flaherty spots in there with Gibson, Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, Dean Kramer, Ty, uh, Tyler Wells just got sent down the double A too because he's already over his innings from last year. So they're kind of slowing him down for a bit. Um, Flaherty has been really good at times and really, really bad at times. So, and that goes to the AL East out of the NL Central. How do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, like I, I don't know. I think Jack Flaherty is extremely overrated. I think people think I think people hear the name Jack Flaherty and think of the 2018, 2019 Top version of Jack Flaherty. Flaherty. Yeah, and it's just like he's been, he's okay. He's he's like a league average pitcher right now and so like i've kind of seen it pandas like the orioles you know got a got a, got a huge boost in the rotation yes they get a, a rotation boost but i don't think jack flaherty's like saving the season i know they made a, a push to get dylan cease and that did not did not happen but um i don't know i mean from a for flaherty himself like a little bit more run support better park with in in, in baltimore but outside of that not too much. And then we talked about, yeah, the flip side with St. Louis. That's, you just want to stay away, except for Stephen Matz, of course. Yep, Stephen Matz, of course. Uh, Miami Marlins, I said we get back to them. Here we go. So they dealt Cooper. We know about that. They dealt Segura. We know about that. They traded for Josh Bell from the Cleveland Guardians. Segura was a part of that deal. Prospect Khalil Watson as well. Segura was released. Josh Bell's banged up, so you got that going for you. But um, – Bell should slot in to regular first base roles when he returns. What are your thoughts on this scenario? Uh, I mean, Josh Bell's been really bad. So, like, He's been better over the last month or so. I'll say that much. That's true. I, I'll give you that. Um, 
I don't know. Like it, it's like a neutral move, I think, for for Bell. So I'm not. I don't know. What about them acquiring Jake Berger? Berger, who was traded for this dude named Eater, Jake Eater. Ironically, yeah. But apparently, like, this Jake Eater guy is pretty good. I guess because just... Berger's got some couple years of control left. But uh, Berger was about to get second base eligibility, and that ain't happening anymore. So that's a big bummer. Yeah, um, and actually, it's probably like. I guess it's neutral for Berger. Uh, at first, I was like, oh, Berger's going to play every day. And that, that is true. I think Berger does play every day in, in Miami. Sucks. But he was playing every day in Chicago yep. at third and second. So, like, yeah, the, the point is is well taken on Berger not getting second base, which is probably the natural thing to do. I don't know if that yes. dude's a second baseman. But uh, but it's probably neutral for, for Berger as well. You there, there was the risk that the White Sox bench Berger again just because the way they've been doing that all season, I think that risk is now gone. So I think the playing time is at least a little bit safer um, on the Marlins. So I don't know. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, I think both are going to be viable. Tougher ballpark to hit him for both of them, though. So keep that in mind going forward. But uh, definitely has that going. Josh Naylor should be locked in at first base now with the Guardians, even though he he was scratched on Tuesday with side soreness. So keep an eye on that. But it definitely... Uh, opens up. Well, he was already playing enough, but it opens up a for sure thing. Oscar Gonzalez might shot, slot in the DH. David Fry might play some more. Fry's been actually viable yeah. when he plays when he plays enough. So he's a name because he's got, he's got catcher eligibility. I say he's so, catcher eligible, so that's yep. at least. Yeah. So Fry is a dude to keep an eye on. Like on uh, NFBCs, he's catcher and third base eligible, and he's two percent rostered in twelves. So he'd be a dude to keep an eye on for sure. And then on the White Sox side of things, it sadly leaves Yohan Moncada as an everyday third baseman, which he was already when healthy. Um, second base-wise, Elvis Andrews is a second base now, so you don't have to worry about that. Really nothing I'm too excited about in Chicago unless you see something. No, I mean, it's not like total Pittsburgh death, but it's like... It's getting there. You're in hospice. Yep. Red Sox acquired Luis Urias from the Milwaukee Brewers the utility bat to basically take Kiki Hernandez's utility spot. Um, I don't have too much on that. No, is Urias, uh, I won't say is he healthy, but he's been in triple a, I think he's most been, he got demoted to triple a. Yeah. yeah. After, after he got healthy, he got sent down. Yeah. And, and really was not, and I don't even know if he was healthy. Like it was someone who was injured and just entering the season and just never really did anything going in. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, um, all that excited with Luis Urias, at least this season. He's still just 26, so maybe something for next year, but not something that I. And last but not least, when you can't get Eduardo Rodriguez, you go to the next best thing, apparently, and that is Ryan Yarbrough. Dodgers has called settling, you idiots. Um, they traded to the Royals for Ryan Yarbrough, who's actually came, coming off a really good start his last time out, seven strong innings. Um, he, since coming back from getting hit in the face by a line drive, He's actually been pretty decent. He's made four starts, um, one run or less than three of the four, six total runs. Strikeouts have always been an issue for him. He's got 15 Ks over those starts. Minnesota, Cleveland, Detroit, Cleveland. So not world yeah. beaters, of course. That's what um, I'm looking at is that that yeah. strength of schedule is a little bit. Uh, it doesn't make you warm and fuzzy. I it's a little it. SEC-like in the first <laughs> first week of the season. Facing the one double A, you know, from the from the smack, uh, swack. But um, what I want to mention – when it comes to Yarbrough, it gives much needed depth because Gonsolin's been horrible. Uh, Bobby Miller's kind of scuffling. I think Emmett Sheehan's not good. So um, these young pitchers that are struggling and Gonsolin, this gives them some much needed depth. 
Yeah, I, I do wonder, like, initially, if Yarborough, will he boot Sheehan from the rotation or just kind of be a long man? Um, I don't know. Even still, I'm not all that. I mean, Yarborough is a streamer, and my yep. my outlook on streamers, if, if you're going to stream them, they need to miss bats and get strikeouts because otherwise, like, a lot has to go right for that stream to work in Yarborough. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm quite certain does not miss bats. Yes, 14% strikeout rate and a 10% swinging strike throwing 87 miles an hour. So You mean, you mean that's um, not good? Not what you want. It's not what you want. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. That wraps up, I think, all the important trades. We might have missed something. I don't think we did, though. I think that's all of them. That's the brass of it all. Hopefully, you got some fantasy impacts out of that. Most of it's just kind of collateral damage because they're bad baseball teams and the replacements aren't going to be good. There are a few that definitely have some impacts. Uh, i got a couple of listener questions here, but before we get to that, I wanted to ask you, out of all the big moves, we have a few new closing situations. So how would you rate this if you're going to the, ra- the waiver wire this weekend? Jojo Romero, you could say Giovanni Gallegos if you'd like, because he's probably still available too. Gregory Santos, Carlos Hernandez, Andres Munoz. God. Um, I'll go Munoz, Santos, Hernandez, Gallegos, Romero. Okay. I go Munoz, Gallegos, Santos. Actually, I go, I go Munoz, Gallegos, Hernandez, Santos, Romero. That's where I go. Just because I don't think Santos gets enough saves. <laughs> it's, it's that yeah. Point. No, I, I can yeah. definitely see that. But I think Munoz just like if he's available, which he is. I, I gave you the number earlier, folks. Munoz at he's eighty six percent rostered in twelve, which is pretty impressive. If you're playing on Yahoo, he is seventy percent rostered. So there's some. Sharp, it's funny like what players are rostered and what players aren't in these formats yeah. blows my mind. Um, but he, he'd be a big target for me if he's available this weekend. Okay. If you need saves, don't force it. Another guy that didn't get traded. We didn't talk about Trevor May still in Oakland Athletic. Don't yeah, that one. I mean. He hasn't been great, but still he's not like, that good. I he's got bullpen health, but yeah, yes, he, I, I did wonder, like, why would you trade for Trevor May? But, hey, you never know. I think he's a great guy. Um, a couple questions, Corbin Young. Help me be excited about the mate the Mariners trade deadline moves. LOL. Serious note: most undervalued move made in your opinion? Um, most undervalued move from a fantasy standpoint, I think, is Jake Alou at third base in Washington. From a real life standpoint, going down with the ship. It's Lance Lynn, the most underrated move. I think he can thrive with LA in the second half. Yeah, that's, uh, I like the Lynn call, of course, naturally. Um, but I guess most underrated move, that's, that's tricky because uh, I'm scrolling back through here trying to figure out exactly which ones. The Alou's products, I'd say Candelaro, so that whole trade. I guess underrated. It's depends on how you look at it. I'd say Aaron Savali going to Tampa Bay because hmm. if they can teach him how to strike some dudes out, that could be uh, pretty big in the fantasy world. Maybe I'd, maybe it's not as underrated as other people would think, but I think it's it was more surprising. Let's put it that way. I'll go I'll go that route. Baseball pods. You, he has a you didn't say you didn't say AJ Pollock underrated move. No, that's one of the worst moves of the entire. The, the most underrated move is he, Eduardo Rodriguez telling the Dodgers no. That's yeah. great. Like whenever you, go, whenever you can go somewhere where the spoiled rich kid gets told no and you watch a temper tantrum, that's pretty much what took place. It was absolutely amazing. So big, big, big fan of that one. Um, baseball pods. Chris has a, a funny one. Please break down the massive implications of the Yankees acquisition of Kenyon Middleton. 
Cashman said he doubled down. I don't think anyone thought he could pull off a massive deal like that. This that shifts the balance of power in the American League. Let's go. Yeah, very sarcastic there. Yankees did nothing. Nothing. And that that's that's the worst that could have had. Just do do something. One way or the other. Go for it, not don't do nothing. All right. Uh, last listener question we have here is Gaman eight says any sleeper outfield pick, preferably below 60% ownership, who can contribute five to seven home runs for the upcoming month of August. So I don't know if you have anything out there, but I pulled up Yahoo roster rates and I believe I hit the outfield. No, I didn't. I hit uh, now we're hitting the outfield. Um, this is what I use when I do my like fantasy pros. You can get it for free on fantasy pros, Yahoo roster rates. So um, 60%. Power wise, you tell me if you think they can go six or seven home runs. Let's play. Let's play a game here. Below sixty percent at this point in time, Jeff McNeil, no. Uh, Taylor Ward, it's tough to do when you're not on the field. Uh, this is bad. This is there's not much here, kid. That's all I'm gonna tell you. Um, Say Wade in any faith in Say Suzuki? He looks lost at the plate. Uh I'm a, I'm a Suzuki stand, so I I think it's there. He hasn't shown it this year, so uh, realistically taking the under there. I'll say Mickey Moniak because I'm a Mickey Moniak stand and he's been crushing it. So I'll say that much. Um, here's one. He's oh, he's rostered in 49% of Yahoo leagues. Tyler O'Neill, anybody? Yeah, I like that. That's and one. throwing some bags at the same point yep. at the same time. Homer tonight and did he combo play. He's got to play. Uh, uh, Marcelo Zuna's 47% rostered. He hit four home runs last week alone. So in the right matchups, he'd be a guy to uh, keep an eye on. What about I, um I know he's hurt right now, but when he comes back, Mitch Hanniger? That's another one I'm curious about because of the AJ Pollock move. That's where like, Hanniger's starting to do baseball activities. So I don't maybe they just DFA AJ Pollock when Hanniger comes back. I agree though with that sentiment with Hanniger. Interesting. I'm with you on that. Uh Jack Sawinski is 39% rostered. All he does is hit home runs. So I, I would not be shocked if he hits five to seven home runs in the month of August. Um, other than that, like Randall Gritchick's down here. If he plays every day, he's actually swinging it pretty, pretty well of late. Um, he'd be one to look at. Yeah. There, there, there's a handful of dudes down here for sure. Um, you know, Will Benson's down here. Eddie Rosario's down here. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of outfielders. That's one position where you can find a ton of depth. And if anything, don't just pick one guy for the month. Stream a different player each week for matchups, and you might accumulate five to seven home runs along the way. That'd be my two cents on that one. That's probably the right answer. All right, Mr. Bloomfield, any final thoughts? Trade deadlines in the books. We have two months of baseball to go. Two months, eight weeks, uh, basically was that seven more fab periods. Is this how this is going to play out? Um, it's go time. It is, man. This was fun. 20, I think like 25, 30 trades in an hour. So that's uh, pretty good of us, I would say. So um, yep, not, not too shabby. Uh, hope, hope there was some fantasy goodness for you. Most of them, as we talked, it's – not a ton that stands out, but there are some sneaky implications on the back end is the way I was looking at it. I mean, like the Jake lose, I think even David Fry becomes def- – I didn't even think about that until we started digging in on it. He could have some relevancy. Um, the, the relievers got their jobs. Starting pitchers that are going to take jobs, not that great. No, uh, it's so, not. It's like, yeah. I mean, at this point in the season, if you're a sixth or seventh starter, you are that for a reason. I guess the biggest thing would be like if a team traded for a starter – what's that do to the other starters in the rotation? Like now are you six man rotation where two steps are out of question yeah. stuff like that, but uh, it'll be fun. We'll keep chatting about it week to week. Like usual, we'll be back with you guys on Thursday with a normal episode of Bub in the bloom. We'll get you covered there. We'll recap last week's game. I heard there was some fun that took place uh, in the weekly game 
And uh, we'll talk about FPAS, of course. If you guys want to play some golf, uh, hit us up with that and much, much more. But until then, you can check out Ryan on the X at RyanBHQ, podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. I am at BD Intric. This is Bubba on the Bloom, episode 67, your trade deadline recap. Catch you all next time. from the Sports Gambling Podcast on Blue Wire. If you're listening to this right now, there's a good chance you've already been eliminated from your NFL Survivor Pool. Well, don't worry. We're here to help with our free Second Chance Survivor Pool. That's right. We're giving away $3,000 for free in our NFL Second Chance Survivor Pool. It starts this weekend. It's completely free. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor.